Matthew 17. Now, what you'll notice is, I'm, is the way I'm, this, I'm doing a domino preaching of Matthew, which is we're going to start off where we've already been. It'll overlap. As the domino falls, we'll move into territory we hadn't been in. So I'm, I'm, I, I keep laying it on top of it like this. We keep going, 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 and so you're going to get a, you're going to get backed up from to where you were, where we were last uh, last time I preached. By the way, did you enjoy Pastor Jose? Yeah. I got tired watching him. I was just glad somebody needed the sweat towel. Pastor Jose was wonderful. Sons are free. Uh, in a politically correct age, you immediately have to say, what about daughters? In the kingdom of God, daughters are sons. And in the kingdom of God, men are the bride. So in the kingdom of God, we don't have all that drama. We don't have all that trauma. We understand the, that, that inclusion is at work when God says sons, not exclusion at work when God says sons. So God speaks of a way that, that, built, that draws us in, not puts us out. But sons are free. That's where we're headed. Last night I got there in the last five minutes. <laughs> I'm trying to get you there faster. So, what does this mean? Well, it's a, it's a strange verse in the scripture, actually, and it comes in the context of the transfiguration, which was the revelation of Jesus in his glory. I want to read that text for you one more time. The transfiguration. Remember that I said that I believe the, the transfiguration happened on Mount Hermon. 9,200 feet. They went up to a high mountain. And that I believe that it was strategically there because Jesus was at warfare with the powers. And more and more, I'm going to tell you that, that you and I, uh, we're not at war with each other, but we're absolutely at war with the powers. So here we go. And after six days, that's um, after... That great confession, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, his brother, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. And his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as light. And behold, there appeared to them Moses and Elijah uh, talking with him. And Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it's good that we are here. If you wish, I will make three tents, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Um, uh, uh, Peter has in his mind the tent of meeting um, with, 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 in Moses' time. <sighs> he was still speaking. Behold, a bright light overshadowed them. And a voice from the cloud said, This is my beloved son, with whom I'm well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell on their faces and were terrified. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Rise and have no fear. And when they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. Well, 
These things bear, bear talking about a little bit, because I, but I, I already preached on this passage, so I don't want to spend a lot of time, but, but it bears, um, you understand that, that the glory that was in him and the resurrection glory uh, that was upon his servants, that the glory radiated through him and he was changed. And the confession that had been made, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, the revelation, the unveiling that he had received became sight. His faith became sight. What he had known, he could now see. And then as they're doing that, the, the glory that was upon Jesus enveloped them all. They were, they were can you feel it? <laughs> they were swallowed up in the, in the glory of Jesus. There's nowhere in scripture where this kind of thing happens to somebody and they're chummy about it. They're folksy about it. They're casual about it. Whenever anything like this happens in Holy Scripture, people, the people to whom it happens, they're, they're, they have to be calmed. They need angels. They need voices. They need help. And, um, and the voice. It bears, uh, bears remembering that it was Moses on the mountain receiving the law that God spoke with his voice and the people said don't speak and what what people fail to understand is in terms of recorded scripture there's there's not another instance until Jesus of the audible voice of God to a group of people they asked him not to speak and he and he and he didn't speak he only spoke through the prophets and that's why the Bible says God who in sundry times and sundry places spoke to us uh, by the prophets has in these last days spoken to us by his son whom he has appointed the heir of all things. In book of Hebrews. And so here's the voice saying, this is, this is my son. This is my son. This is my son. Do you remember all the stories of Jesus telling about the, the, the God sending his servants, sending his servants, and they kill him, send his servants, they kill him, send his servants, and he sends his son? Here it is. We'll, we'll look at that. Here it is. This is my son. So look what happens. The revelation is building. Uh, Peter gets the revelation of his sonship. And um, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And that demonstration is made before him. And, and now the voice comes. Peter was told, you didn't get this. You didn't get this by, nobody told you. Nobody whispered it. Nobody, um, nobody taught you. This came by revelation. Please, 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 I have to keep pressing this. The whole world will come at you with, with reason, rationality, empiricism, uh, learning, philosophy, understanding. God comes to you with revelation. God comes and says, here's something you've never seen. God comes with an unveiling, and he opens your eyes to see. 
Revelation is a form of knowledge that science can't get at. I've talked about that elsewhere. I think I've talked about that before. But, but here it is. And here's this revelation. Here's this voice of God. And he speaks of Jesus with a unique sonship. You have to understand that we, when we speak of sonship, Jesus has a unique sonship, a one-of-a-kind, one-and-only-one-of-a-kind sonship. And then they see, they see Jesus only. And so what happens in this instant is where Jesus is moving, he's, he's on the move, we don't understand him. We simply do not understand what he's up to, but he's on the move and he's making steps and he goes up to the far north country and he goes to the stronghold of the powers and he reveals himself to his disciples and he's putting the powers on notice. You have to understand when Jesus not only came for us, he came against them. Jesus came not only to rescue us, he came to confront principalities and powers. When the Bible says he made an open display of them, it's not, it's not something that it, it is not a reality. Jesus came on the march and to the principalities and powers who had turned his world into a place of many gods, turned his world into a place of ungodliness, turned his world into a place uh, not fit for habitation. He comes to confront them. Jesus comes to set the world right. And he puts the powers on notice. Help me, Lord. Help me. And as they were coming down the mountain, Jesus commanded them, tell no one the vision until the Son of Man is raised from the dead. Now remember, he's already begun to whisper this idea to them, and now he says, we're going down. Can you imagine being there? You can't wait. Can you contain the news? Can you imagine being there? Listen, we we can't shut up about sonograms. We get a revelation, and which, by the way, if you're having a baby, don't tell me. I will not keep your secret. It's good news, right? You're coming down the mountain, and Jesus says, tell no one. And they're like, how do you do that? How do you have an experience like that and tell no one? How do you do that? Please tell me how you do that. Here's how we here's how human beings do that. Listen. Now you can't tell anyone. <laughs> Secrets. But here's what Jesus is saying. I'm setting the agenda. I'm setting the times. And I want you to work with me. And this is really important. And what happens next is we go into a discussion of times and seasons that Jesus goes into that proves that they don't know anything about times and seasons, so they can't understand it. Um, I, I hear people all the time say, well, we can't know the day Jesus comes, but we can know the times and seasons. Balder dash. The truth is, we hardly know anything. But what Jesus is going to do next is he's going to go into a discussion on scriptural interpretation and, and upon eschatology. Y'all know this word eschatology? In times. In times. 
We'll be talking a lot about end times from here on in Matthew. And one of the things that I'm going to be saying to you is that the church has historically badly mangled an understanding of end times, and it's nothing new. It happens right here. He tells them, don't tell anyone, and the disciples ask him, which is an interesting question. Then why do the scribes say that Elijah must come first? Where does that question come from in this context? Where does that question come from? Tell no one the vision until the Son of Man is raised from the dead. Now Jesus is talking about um, the unfolding of things, and they're starting to understand that. And so then they say, but wait a minute, we think you might have your timing off. We've been really studying this, Jesus, for a long time, and we've got maps and charts, and we've been putting stuff out there. And he says, why do the scribes say that, that first Elijah must come? Now, if you don't know what that's about, let me just bring you in on the family secret. In the Old Testament, they were told that a king was coming. This king is a Messiah. He's anointed with God. He's anointed with the Holy Spirit. This king is coming. But they said, before he comes, Elijah will come and, and sets order well so they said why do the scribes say Elijah must come first and this passage proves that they know nothing even though they know it lots and I need you to get this I want you to agree with me on this I want you to agree with me that when it comes to end times and how the world's going to unfold you don't know and I don't know let me say it in a better way for you so you can get it better I don't know and you don't know But I'm a preacher and I act like I know a lot. But I, I think my professor, was, who was the most right about the end times, is the one who said that the one thing he knows for sure about the end times is that when Jesus returns, nobody's going to be able to look at somebody else and say, see, I told you it'd be like that. <laughs> and he answered... Elijah does come, and look what it says, and he restores all things. Now that, that should give you pause right there. The, the actual passage that's being referred to is the passage that's in Malachi. That's, that's one of the passages. There's more things, but it's the passage that's in Malachi that says... Um, that he must come and turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to the fathers, lest I smite the earth with a curse. And that's in the last, the very last verses of Malachi. Now there was something else about Elijah, which was that how many of you remember that Elijah didn't actually die a natural death? And so, and so the, the, the rabbis, the teachers taught that he, since he hadn't died, he, he had work to do, work to complete, and he must come back. And that was part of the building of the, of the idea. Elijah does come first, and he will restore all things, but I tell you that Elijah has already come. And they did not recognize him, which is Jesus' way of saying, neither did you. <laughs> and they did not recognize him. So Jesus is now unpacking this for them and says, where have you been? And he says, and they did to him whatever they pleased. In other words, they killed him. We've just been talking about that in this context. 
So also, the Son of Man, the one Elijah is coming to announce, will certainly suffer at their hands. Elijah came and he suffered. Jesus is saying that John the Baptist was the embodiment of Elijah. Come back, calling for repentance, setting the tables for the restoration of all things which would come by the Messiah who comes to restore all things. And he says he must suffer at their hands. Then the disciples understood. Wait, wait, when? In other words, none of them knew this. Then the disciples understood that he was speaking to them of John the Baptist. We read, that, we read this stuff so often that we, we don't, we like, have we read this? Yes. And when they came to the crowd, okay, so now look, look what's happened. Jesus was marching, going north, went up to Capernaum. From Capernaum, he went up to Mount Hermon. From Mount Hermon, he comes down with the disciples. He's teaching them. Now, now coming down, when they came to the crowd, a man came up to him, kneeling before him, said, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he has seizures and suffers terribly. For often he falls into the fire and often into the water. And I brought him to your disciples, and they could not heal him. By the way, remember, these disciples have already been commissioned to do such things. Can we talk about faith a minute? You guys know what faith is? First of all, faith is actually something. You actually have something if you have faith. It's actually substance. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Faith is not the hope of something you don't have. Faith is the substance. It's the having of it. How do you get it? Well, it's perceived. Faith is something that is, is, first of all, you hear it or see it and you know it, you have it. That's why my friend used to pray and he'd say, we got it. And I would say, you're nuts. Where is it? And he would always say, you'll see. And he was right. He's a good dude to pray with. Have you learned how to pray and know when you've been hurt? Um, y'all know the name uh, Yonggi Cho? How many of y'all know the name Yonggi Cho? A lot of you. Oh, a lot more than I expected. I remember the first time I read The Fourth Dimension. It blew my mind, and it made me cry, and it made me say, more, Lord, because Yonggi Cho used to, used to talk about when he, when he knew what he needed, he needed, like, I think the first thing, if I remember it right, he needed a bicycle and a Bible, and he prayed until he got it in the spirit in prayer, and then, of course, you know, he got it, and he began to apply that how he did ministry. Worked out pretty good. He grew his church to a million souls. And you'd say, how, do you, how, do you, how did you do it? He'd say, oh, he got pregnant with it. He, he got it inside him. 
and he, and he gave birth to it. Now, it's a, there's a, a whole lot more to it. But faith is when you, when you see a thing, and it's so real to you, you have it. But, but let me tell you how it also works. Um, faith is, um, the, the gifts of the Spirit are dynamic. They're not static. When I say that, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, when we talk about prophecy and tongues and healing and faith and those nine gifts that are given there, we talk about those gifts. Listen, they're not, those gifts are not possessions. Those gifts are, 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 they come and they pass through your hand to the one they're for. Um, the gift of healing is not the gift possessed by the prayer. It's the gift received by the sick person. Got it? <laughs> now, now, faith can be something like this. Faith is this dynamic. In one moment, you have it. And in the next moment, listen, I preached this sermon last night. Can I tell you, can I be honest with y'all and tell you? I'm, I, I preached from faith last night. I'm preaching to faith this morning. I know the difference. I know the difference. Last night, I had the thing and got up and released it. Today, I went, got up and said, I don't have the thing, but I'm going to get it. I'm going to straight up get it. Because I know the way. I, I know the path to get it. So listen, Peter, when Peter said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God, Jesus said, you've got it. And you didn't get it from man. You got it from God. In the next minute, Peter's making a declaration in agreement with the devil. So Peter had the who Jesus was, but he didn't have the what Jesus was going to do. The who he was was in him, but the what Jesus was up to wasn't in him. Are you, can you, are you following me? Am I confusing you? If I'm confusing you, just listen, throw a rope with three hooks on it and hang on. Because you've got to get this. Because faith is when you see the thing so clearly and you have it and you're living in revelation. And then when you don't have the faith... Understand this, I can operate whether I have faith or don't have faith. Because I'm telling you this morning, you can operate from faith and to faith. I can operate to faith because I've had enough faith to go get more faith. And I, and I want it this morning, I want it. And so the crowd, so, so they had faith about, they're getting the faith of who he is, but they don't have the faith of what he does. Because every time Jesus goes to talk about the cross, they check out. They even didn't understand Elijah and John the Baptist because they couldn't get the suffering peace. They were word of faith charismatics and they couldn't, they couldn't believe in the suffering peace. Here's a man who's got a sick son. He brings him to Jesus' disciples. The same dudes who have cast out demons can't do it. The same dudes who have healed the sick can't do it. In other words, did it doesn't mean do it. But if you did it, you can move to it. Are you coming? Can you do this? Yeah. I brought him to your disciples and they could not heal him. Jesus answered, oh, faithless. What? This is the moment that you should hate Jesus and leave him because he actually said some people couldn't do something because they didn't have faith. 
Every time some preacher suggests that you don't have enough faith, you get your feelings hurt and go away. I do. I get my feelings hurt. I just don't go away. I'm tenacious like that. By the way, I was raised that if somebody's hurting your feelings, keep fighting. Just how I was raised. I'm done. I wasn't raised if they, never mind. Listen, stop checking out on things when your feelings get hurt. Stop it. Stop running away because you get your feelings hurt. Stop it. Stop, stop laying down. Stop rolling over on your back like a submissive dog. Come on, church. Stop being afraid. And Jesus answered, oh, faithless and listen, twisted generation. You know what the devil does with what God says? He twists it. He hardly ever outright denies it. He just twists it a little bit. And when he twists it, you go, oh, oh, I see. You're agreeing with the devil. Oh, faithless and twisted generation. How long am I to be with you? Jesus is like, I'm done putting up with you boys. How long am I to bear with you? Bring him here to me. We all think Jesus is so nice. And Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came from him, and the boy was healed instantly. Now, another lesson about this stuff. Another lesson about this stuff. Jesus was revealed by John the Baptist, and Jesus then goes to be tempted by the devil. He goes and he's tempted by the devil. When he comes out from being tempted by the devil, Jesus immediately begins deliverance ministry. Read your Gospels. You'll see it. When Jesus is dealing with Satan, when he's dealing with the devil... He, he, he does not reason with the devil. He does nothing but quote the word of God to the devil. You quote the word of God to the devils in this world today and they'll call you all kind of names. Let them call you names. We had it last week, didn't we? Well, did Pastor Joe say, if you, you, you guys were here on Sunday morning. The only thing he preached about, do you remember? It is written. He said, it is written. And you shivered when he said it. Because here is a man that stands on the revelation of God. Jesus goes out. He's tempted by the devil. And Jesus three times tells the devil, no, this is what's written. You won't twist it. Because I'm going to live in the way I want my servants to live. It is written. And so... He gets a conquest. Now we have another moment of Jesus, and I have maintained with you that he went to the place of the gods. Little G. He went to the place of the demonic strongholds. He comes down, and what has happened is, whether we understand it or not, Jesus is going to war. He won't let his disciples go to war for him at this time. Don't tell anyone. I'm going to do it myself. And he comes here and he confronts and rebukes a demon and it came out of him and he was healed instantly. All right? Let's get her time. Are you all right? Faith must face challenges. The disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not cast it out? He said to them, because of your little faith. Okay. 
this is another moment. Come on, let's just be honest and admit there's some stuff lacking in our life because our faith is lacking. And one of the reasons that we hang out in church, one of the reasons, one of the functions of being here today is the building of our faith. I'm telling you, I'm not kidding around. Last night I came in here and I had, I had faith to conquer armies. This morning I came in here and I'm like, okay, where's that place where I was last night, Lord? And I couldn't actually invent it, but I know the way, Tommy. I know how to go there. So I'm on the path there. You guys are going with me. Because of your little faith, truly I say to you, if you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, in other words, he says, let me tell you how small your faith is. Mustard seed faith will move mountains and you ain't got even mustard seed. You'll say to this mountain, move from here to there and it'll move. And listen, nothing will be impossible to you. Nothing will be impossible to you. Beamers. Nothing will be impossible to you. In the whole history of God's people on this planet, the people who win are the people who believe they will. The people who achieve are the people who know they will. Listen, this is so true that even secular people can do it. God will use Cyrus. We don't need to talk about that this morning. Because of your little faith. Because of your little faith. And for the second time, Matthew calls on them for mustard seed faith. You have faith like the grain of mustard seed. You'll say to this mountain, move from here to there. And it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. This is the Matthew equivalent of the statement in John where it says, he who believes in me, the things I do, he will do, and greater things than this he will do because I go to my Father. This is Matthew's equivalent. And we say this faced with disease, faced with demonic powers, faced with government that's twisting the truth of God, faced with culture that's twisting the truth of God, faced with media that's twisting the truth of God, faced with every institution and every power, because Jesus is about to send these 12 out. like sheep for the slaughter. But not yet. Not just yet. Get it right. The disciples are faced with a conundrum. They fail. Jesus actually rebukes them. He tells them what's wrong. Faithless. They come back to him and say, now what did you say? Why couldn't we do it? Because of your little faith. Listen, all of these people that are great healers that, 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 see, that see lots and lots of people healed, they're too nice to tell you that the reason they see more people healed than we do is because of their faith. 
but I like I watched Randy over the years, and I've watched Randy, and I can I can tell you notes. Randy Clark, I can tell you times when he said, "Well, I've never seen this before," and then a year later you'll hear him, and he says, "Well, last year I could say I've never seen this before. Now I've seen this. Now I've seen this so many times. It's ordinary to me. Now I'm on to this." Same with our friend Bill Johnson. Same with all of them. How do we get there? We just keep going, speaking to the mountain. We just keep going. We just keep going. We just keep going. We just keep going. You got a problem, speak to it. You got a problem, deal with it. I don't care if the problem's in you, on you, around you, of you. Take it on. And you come here because faith comes by hearing. There is something sacred. I'm telling you, there is something. I'm going to be Catholic for a minute, and I'm going to tell you preaching is a sacrament. Meaning, the words spoken over a group of people go through the air, and they come into you, and you are transformed by words just as surely as creation was formed by the Word of God, because God chose by the foolishness of preaching. Why are people trying to destroy? One of the reasons people are trying to destroy the church, criticize the church, criticize the church, criticize the church, they don't want this experience to happen. They want to mute this. The devil wants to mute it. The devil will get people who love Jesus to speak against the church in order to keep people from getting where there's the miracle of corporate worship and the miracle of public preaching where people can get their lives changed. I'm telling you, as faith comes by hearing, you're here to hear and to have your faith invigorated and to believe God for something you've never done before and to say yes and to go. And you don't get intimidated the first time you go after a demon and you don't win the battle. You say, no, 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 no. I've begun a battle I intend to win. And this is true of anything in our lives. We keep after it. This is why people say, why do, you, why do you have so many books, Pastor? Why do you have so many tapes? Because I've spent my whole life hearing, seeing. I want to have, I want the input that comes into me to not be toxic, but be salvific. I want the, the words spoken in my heart, the words that come through my eyes. I want what comes to me to build me up and strengthen me. Come on. Why do you go to so many comforts? Because I want God. I need God. I hunger for God. I want to be known by Him and of Him. And I want the devil to know me. Jesus we know and Paul we know. Who are you? I'm not dealing with that. Because of your little faith, i got to get more faith. As they were gathering to Galilee, Jesus said to them, the Son of Man is about to be delivered into the hands of men and they will kill him and he will be raised on the third day. Do you see that we're back to it? Because I'm telling you, they still don't have it. They still don't have it. They still don't have it because you can't possibly have it. And this is what I say about our God. The beautiful thing about our God, I'm sorry, his footprints are not in the sand, they're in the sea. You can't follow him. You can only follow him by faith. You can only follow him by faith and by being voice trained to hear him and tether your heart to his word and his way. 
And so here's telling them something that they can't possibly believe. He's just talked to them about their faith, and now he gives them something for their faith. Why? Because they're going to face this thing with their actual eyes. And they'll need to know one day that he said it. You have to understand, the disciples of Jesus have never spoke of his death as an injustice to be vindicated. They spoke of it as the actual intention and work of God to do something in the world that would change it forever. He did not die like a martyr to inspire us. He died like one who is recreating the world by going into death and conquering death and overcoming death. And they spoke of his death as the intentional will of God. Why? Because they had faith now. <laughs> they had faith. Okay, now let's get to my text. Y'all y'all did a little better than last night. Actually, we just finished worship a little earlier than last night. When they came to Capernaum, all right, we're back. Say, we're back. And the collectors of the two drachma tax, hallelujah, Jesus. Everybody loves taxes and tithes, right? Can't wait to pay them. The, the collectors of the two drachma tax went to Peter and said, Peter, doesn't he pay taxes? How many of you know by now when you're studying the Gospels that people who asked Jesus or his disciples questions were not looking for information? They were... I love it when people ask me questions that I know is actually an accusation. <laughs> Have you ever been there? <laughs> Does your teacher not pay the tax? Now, what was the tax? The tax was very old in Israel. It was um, the two drachma tax. Every adult male had to pay the two drachma tax because it was for the upkeep. It was for the it was for the temple, and everybody had to pay it. This was not this was not voluntary. This was mandatory. Oh wait 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 wait, the priest didn't have to pay it, but everybody else had to pay it. And Peter says, yes. And I'm thinking, saying, don't we? And he came into the house, and Jesus spoke to him first. Jesus, you know, Jesus is like, hmm, I see that. And he goes, I love this. What do you think, Simon? Just a little word here. <laughs> Jesus gives Peter a nickname, and then always calls him by his name. <laughs> How many of y'all have a nickname? Oh, we got we to do better around here. Listen, <laughs> fraternities and, and, and teams, we, they all have nicknames. We need to get some nicknames going. This guy wouldn't be hard to give a nickname to, would he? <laughs> you, could, you could work with that. You could work with that billboard right there. <laughs> yeah, nicknames. Let me see it again. How many of y'all have a nickname? Let me see. Oh, now you're fessing up. Now they're fessing up. Uh, Peter was actually his nickname. When Jesus spoke to him, he always called him Simon. You know, you feel like you're in school. 
It's like, you're, you know, your mother doesn't call you your nickname. She calls you the name she gave you. What do you think, Simon? I had some fun with this because I'm working on something, okay? This is a little, a little, a little, a little quick rabbit. Um, I went down south to see my friend. Um, probably one of, really my friend who's been my friend longer than, even longer than Bucky Kerr. Uh, a man here in the state, his name is Frank Zamora. Frank is actually the reason that Gail and I are in New Mexico. He's the one that spoke coming to New Mexico over me 10 years before I did, and I scorned it. And then the year we, the year we actually came, he, he's the one that opened the door for us. Well, I went to see him and be with him because um, I, I pull up my phone and I have him in there by his nickname <laughs> that I gave him. When I, heard, when I heard this man preach, I remember I would say, I would think of Jeremiah. Is not my word the hammer that shatters the rock? And I started calling him the hammer because dude could preach, man. You got it? And so I went to see the hammer. Just for, just for y'all to know, there's some preaching yet to be done. His wife didn't even know I'd called him the hammer. Now she knows. What do you think, Simon? And love this. This is incredible text. I'll promise you that there are people sitting here that will say, I've never read that text before. What do you think, Simon? From whom do the kings of the earth take toll or tax? From their sons or from the others? And he said, from others. And Jesus said to him, then the sons are free. <laughs> How many of you know if you're a son, you don't pay for dinner at, at the house? <laughs> How many of you understand that everything about faith and the kingdom, everything is understood once you move from being God's servant to being his son. Hallelujah. Everything changes. Hallelujah. If you're my servant, I'm going to take tolls and taxes from you. But if you're the son, <laughs> my dad was well known in his arena. And man, anytime I went anywhere with my dad, I didn't pay for nothing. <laughs> my dad sold produce to the fair, to the vendors at the fair. I could go to the fair and I could ride any ride, play any game, eat any food. And I didn't pay nothing. <laughs> I haven't been to the, prayer, the fair since I came to New Mexico because I ain't paying. Because I'm a son. <laughs> you think I'm kidding? I have it. <laughs> Woo. 
then sons are free. Then sons are free. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Sons are free. You have a great debt of sin, but if you have a Savior, you are free. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We got to get this. Listen now. Now, there's a couple things going on here. I don't want you to miss it, but you're going to miss it. But I want you to miss it. I don't have time to go into it because I've done so much else. But but I just want you to get this word, man. I want you to get this word inside of you. These guys have no faith. Immediately, they go down the mountain. You understand, it's time to go to war. We're about to go to war. I imagine Peter wanted to say, you haven't seen this dude, have you? I've been up on the mountain with him. You can't believe what he really looks like. If you knew what he looked like, you'd let him in for free. Why? Because the glory that was in the temple, in the Holy of Holies, in the holiest place, above the altar, the uncreated light, was in this dude. (laughs) He's, He's like, you don't understand. He owns the place. What do you mean, paying taxes? And then you got to love this. Listen, here's the point. The point is, when you read this passage, you usually miss the point. Because what happens next is so cool, it makes you miss the point. What I just told you is the point. What happens next is like, really cool. (laughs) He goes like this. However, not to give offense to them. Here's how Jesus is. Listen, we're going to tick them off soon enough. You understand that? I really, I wanted to say that word, but I didn't. <laughs> we're we're going to make them mad soon enough. But for now, in order not to give offense, go to the sea and cast a hook. Only time in the New Testament where it's a hook instead of a net. Take the fish that comes up, and when you open its mouth, you'll find a shekel. Take that and give it to them for me. And you, Peter. You know what a shekel is? A shekel, it's actually another word for it. A shekel is, is um, it says you're supposed to have the two drachma. A shekel's worth four drachma. So Peter, go fishing, catch the fish, get the money, go to the temple, tell them you're with me, and pay the tax. So let me tell you how you live when you're faced with the devil. I'm with him. (laughs) Because sons are... Would you stand together? (laughs) If you're under accusation this morning... You want to get free. If you're under illness this morning, you want to get free. If you're under oppression this morning, you want to get free. How many of you know I preach myself to faith? I ain't looking for it anymore. I got there, man. I got there. I got there. All you folks that asked me how I was all during the service and stuff, I'm sorry. I wasn't there. I'm a son. Sons are free. Sons are free. So I don't know what you're under, but he's over it. 
I don't, you understand this? <laughs> Everything that's over your head is under his feet. I don't know what you're dealing with, but he's dealt with it. So, Father God, I'm praying in the name of Jesus that your Holy Spirit will come and fill the minds and hearts of your children, your sons, your daughters, that they'll have be filled with faith. And this morning will be the day that they shake off the shackles. This morning will be the day that they unbind themselves from the cords. This will be the day, Father, that the mind is set free in Jesus' name. Come, church. Come, church. If you're struggling with something, come. We're going to pray for you. Come. My granddaughter is first. You probably came to preach instead of pray. I am so blessed to have this fireball as my granddaughter. Come on, church. Let's get prayer. You're not going to stay under it. You're not going to be dominated. You're not going to be known by your trial. You're going to be known by the fire. Because the smell of the fire is on you. And the one who has come has set you free. If you have pain in your body, if you have a physical affliction, we want to pray for you this morning. If you have a mental affliction, we want to pray for you this morning. If you have relational trauma, we want to pray for you this morning. Come on.